This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. I want to warmly welcome you here. It's so good to see so many people, so many smiling faces and families together here. It's just great to, to be together on Christmas Eve. I also want to take a moment and just welcome all of those who are joining us online. I know we've got people in the South and out West and other countries tuning in. Couldn't be more glad to have you here today. Let me do this as well. Uh, I just loved what our worship team put together this morning. So nice to see this huge team. Can you do me a favor? Can you put your hands together and thank all of those who were up here this morning? So, so good. Uh, just love it. Well, you know, that Charlie Brown Christmas scene just brings back this, these deep feelings of nostalgia for me. I can remember seeing that video for the first time when I was maybe six or seven years old, and I don't know why, but it's just burned into my memory. I can remember being a kid sitting on this orange shag carpet in the home I grew up in, watching it on the TV with the bunny rabbit ears, you know, and I watched this, and I can remember to this day having two really clear thoughts. The first was, what a horrible tree that Charlie chose, right? Like, I mean, just what a pathetic tree. And then the second thought I had is, what a beautiful story. And as I've thought about it over the years, I think that was exactly what Charles Schultz was going for, that we would reflect and see the intersection of our lives like that little tree before this beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus. You know, the Christmas story is one of those stories that's honestly not that hard to get your head around. It's 120 verses in the Bible. You find it in only two places, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. In fact, uh, this morning, we've actually told you the Christmas story not once, but twice uh, already on the stage. In fact, I had our worship team read for you Luke chapter 2, beautiful reading, and then Linus just acted it out for us. And I know you've probably heard this story a million times, right? And it truly is. It's the reason for the season. But I want to maybe talk this morning about how this story is actually the reason for the reason. And by that, I mean the reason for everything. In fact, it's why this light has come into the world. In fact, I, I told you that the story is told in two places, Matthew and Luke. It's actually told in one other place. It's told in the Gospel of John. And if you've never read the Bible before, I say this all the time, start with the Gospel of John. Because John is like an artist. He, the way he tells a story, it's so creative, it's so artistic. And he tells you the Christmas story, but he doesn't use any of the characters that you normally associate with the Christmas story. There's no Mary, there's no Joseph, there's no wise men or shepherds. In fact, he uses these metaphors to tell you the story. And his main metaphor is this idea of light and what this light has come into the world to do. In fact, I want to just show you in one place what he tells you about this light. He says in John 1 verse 5, he says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Another way to think about it is uh, if you're a sports fan, uh, light is kind of undefeated. Like there isn't a single place where darkness can win out over the light. And we love light. In fact, um, I grew up in Michigan. I've lived here all my life. And I don't know why the older I get, the harder it gets. Uh, Michigan winters. And I don't mean the cold and we hardly get any snow, it seems. But just the, the way in which it gets so dark so early. Do, do you know what I mean? Like 5 p.m. And it's like, well, I guess it's jammy time, you know? It's just like 
terrible the way the day just ends so abruptly. And so what do we do? We go inside our houses and we light candles. Uh, we light our Christmas tree. We light our mantle. And that's not enough, is it? So what do we do? We go outside and we light up our houses. In fact, let me just get, let me get a little pulse on who's here this morning. How many people really love to light up their house? Let me ask it this way. How many Clark Griswolds do I have out there, right? Like, you, know, you just love to light up your house. And, and I see you. You're kind of shy to hold up your hand. But I, I know this about you. I know that it's not just about, you don't want to just light up your house. You want to outlight your neighbor's house, right? Like that's kind of the goal when you do it. In fact, if that's you this morning, I want to give you something to shoot for. I found the world record uh, for the number of lights on a house. And get this, check this out. Yeah, I'm not even so sure I know where the house is anymore. But uh, this house in Unionvale, New York, holds the record 720,000 lights. In fact, uh, you string that out, 40 miles of Christmas lights. How would you like to untangle those, right? Um, it's all choreographed to music. It's beautiful. It's the world record. Uh, it's like 10 years running holding this record. So there you go. You got something to shoot for. You know, Christmas is this reminder that we need the light. In fact, we need the light in really dark places. There's Dark places all around the world. I was thinking this week how we could really use some light in places like the Ukraine, kind of this ongoing war with Russia. We could use some light in a part of the world that's near and dear to our family's heart right now, which is kind of the conflict with Iraq and Iran. I mean, I tell you, that battle's been going on. It's about as old as dirt. Even this week, you look around the world, there was a, another mass shooting in the beautiful city of Prague, and you just see 14 people just pointlessly losing their life. You might be here this morning, you might say, well, you know, I haven't even, I haven't even looked at the world, Pastor, because, man, I, I just look at our country, and our country needs a bright light, right? I mean, I don't know if you realized it, but we're heading into an election year, can get a little dark between red parties and blue parties. You could be here this morning and saying, you know what, it's not even that. I mean, Pastor, I just, I feel like I need some light in my life. Maybe you feel a little down this Christmas. Maybe it's feeling like it's a blue Christmas. Maybe you feel like it's a little dark in your finances, or it's a little dark in your career. Maybe you're here this morning and it feels like it's kind of gone dark in your marriage. And that's why I'm so glad you're here because I know you come to the Christmas story and you see Charlie Brown and you might say, ah, cute story, Pastor. But the question you have this morning is more practical. It's very simply, when, God? I mean, when is your light going to shine and to brighten my world? And again, that's why I'm so glad you're here because the message of Christmas is incredibly hopeful for every single person. It brings hope into all these places. In fact, I did something different. I noticed something in the Christmas story I've never noticed before. And I've been teaching the Bible and teaching the Christmas story for 20 years now. And I took a little different approach. I decided just to kind of read through these Christmas stories. It's sort of like a, a big overview, just kind of like kind of skimming the treetops. And I noticed something I'd never noticed. I noticed all these references to timing, like 21 references in just Matthew and Luke to God's timing. And I'm not going to read you all 21 references this morning, but there were places in Scripture that stood out to me, places that said like, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. And it kind of stuck out to me, huh, reference to days. Another place in the story where it says, it was the year that Quirinius was governor. It kind of stood out to me, year. Even around like the moment when Jesus was born, it seemed to have kind of a specific purpose. The text says, 
the time came for Jesus to be born. All these references to days and years and times. And I started thinking, kind of random, isn't it? And it hit me how timing is everything. Timing is everything in God's world, and it's, it's everything in the world. In fact, you know this. In fact, you can see this all the time. The difference between a really good joke and a really bad joke is timing. See, you thought I forgot on that one, right? Um, timing is important in sports, right? If you're a really good quarterback, you got to have excellent timing with your receivers, really good timing. That'll land you in the Hall of Fame. If you just kind of got average timing, then, you, well, you're Jared Goff, right? Like, that's just kind of the way it works. <laughs> See, but more often, we experience bad timing, and things kind of happen, and they're the worst of experiences at the worst of times. I don't know, is there ever a good time to have a bad experience? All this week, I, I was kind of getting my, myself ready for this week, and it just seemed like I was just treading water. Like, I don't know if you've ever had one of these weeks. Like, I just wanted a good night's sleep, and I was exhausted, and I, I went to bed, and I woke up at 1.57, and my heart was pounding, and I was covered in sweat, and I'd had this horrible dream, like a nightmare. I won't even tell you what it was about. It was just just horrifying to me. And I couldn't get back to sleep that whole night. So then the next night I go to bed and I'm even more tired, just thinking, oh, finally, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And then at 3 a.m., our power goes off. And then the worst of times for the smoke detector to start chirping that the battery is low. And it's 3 a.m., I got to go out to my shed in the backyard, get out my ladder, because I've got these beautiful vaulted ceilings. They're not so much fun to stand on the top of your ladder to change the battery at 3 a.m. I wouldn't recommend it. And then also this week, I had my bank account hacked into. Not my credit card. That'd be bad enough. Someone actually tried to get into my checking account. And it was, according to the bank, one of these really well-known fraudsters. lady on the phone's like, Oh, yeah, they got really close. And they got so close that the bank shut everything down. They shut down my debit card, my credit card, my checking account, my savings account, my HSA. Not really the best time during the Christmas season to have your finances locked out. And you can kind of feel like, well, is darkness winning? I mean, when, God? And that's why I'm so glad you're here, because I really want to talk to you about something I think we all need to learn and that's how to trust God's timing. You see, God's timing is not like your timing or my timing. And the invitation of faith is to go on this trust journey of what God has in store. In fact, every character in the Christmas story has to go on one of these journeys, this journey of trusting the timing that God has. I mean, think about it. Mary, this young girl, maybe 16, could be as young as 13 years old, this is not the way she thought the timing would work out. I mean, she's a young girl. She's thinking, oh, timing. I'm going to be engaged, and then I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to have a child, right? Like, that's the order she had anticipated. And it's completely backwards. She's pregnant first. And it's even more complicated. She has to go to her parents, and she has to explain that her fiancé isn't even the husband. Kind of takes some guts to go to your dad and say, yeah, an angel told me that I'm going to bring God's son into the world. And all along for Mary, it's this message of trust the timing. Think about Joseph, not the timing he expected. In fact, in Joseph's mind, the timing is so bad that he actually plans to get out. Right? I mean, the text tells you that he had plans to divorce her quietly until an angel again comes and reassures him to take Mary to be his wife, to 
trust the timing. So no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at right now, I want to just give you some really practical ways to begin to trust God's timing. You may want to write these down. The first thing I would say is that you and I both, we need to know what God promises to do. And I'm talking about the promises of God. It's really fascinating. If you go through the Bible, I didn't count, but someone counted, and there's some 6,000 references to God's promises. Can you believe that? 6,000 promises. These are sort of like little gifts. I mean, Jesus is the big gift, but these promises are like little breadcrumbs reminding us that God is always there, that God is always available for you. 6,000. Kind of seems excessive. And my question for you this morning, 6,000, can you name even one of the promises of God? You see, I think this is where stress comes from. This is where worry begins to build in, because if you don't know what God is doing, what God has promised, then of course you would be stressed because you would always be wondering, oh no, I don't know what God is planning or doing. It's kind of like this idea, I learned this in seminary, kind of this idea of how stress is actually a really good thing. I mean, stress can actually help you get a lot done, take on challenging tasks. It's probably what gets you up in the morning. The problem in life isn't stress. The problem is unrelieved stress. Another way to think about it, you ever, um, you ever cook with like a pressure cooker, an Instant Pot? I love that, you know, and just all that heat, all that energy, and then in minutes you have a fully cooked meal. But you got that moment where you have to open up the valve and release the pressure. And I want to tell you this morning, that's kind of what God's promises are. There's sort of these ways in which you can relieve and release all that pressure that you build up in life. In fact, I, I want to give you one verse this morning, and it's so, so good. In fact, it's got several promises, half of God. Isaiah says for God, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, I told you there were 6,000 promises in Scripture. There's a whole bunch of them right in this verse. I think there's like five. God says, I'm, I'm with you. I'm for you. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. It's a great verse. In fact, I, I think this speaks to every like, human emotion we have, where you, whether you're dealing with fear or feeling a little dismayed this holiday. You've got this opportunity to lean into this promise. And if you think this is a good verse, I did a little research on the YouVersion Bible app. They actually have tracked what people highlight, uh, bookmark, and share. And this verse, Psalm 41, verse 10, for 2023 was the most highlighted, bookmarked, and shared verse. In fact, if you think that's impressive, this is the most highlighted, bookmarked, and shared verse for the past three years running. So maybe you just write this down. That would be my challenge to you this morning is this Christmas to not let another year go where you don't begin to engage in the promises that God has for you. My challenge for you would be to find one promise in Scripture and make it yours for this next year. Maybe you kind of write it and you put it in a place where you'll never forget it. Maybe it's like you hang it on your fridge or you carry it out around in your pocket in a little note card. Maybe as a family you say, hey, let's, let's learn the promises of God together. Maybe every month you just kind of pick a new promise and you go through it. Maybe you say it before a meal, and you just kind of, again, learn how to lean into the promises of God. Second thought I have for you, in order to trust God's timing for your life, requires that you and I be patient and be humble. And I can imagine some of you right now thinking, well, if I had patience, I wouldn't have to worry all the time about God's timing. And this is sort of like this 
kind of this learning that God doesn't actually give us patience. It's more true to think how God gives us opportunities to live out the patience that we need. Um, another way to think about it is uh, if you've been a part of Bridgeway for any length of time, you know that I have a, I have a dog. And this is, uh, this is my dog, Luca. He's a real manly dog. You can kind of tell with his name. Uh, he's one of these breeds of dogs that's kind of an anxious dog. He's a cockapoo, another real manly character, you know. And uh, this dog, I don't know, like sometimes people will get a dog and it'll be their emotional support animal, right? Uh, it works the other way. In fact, I believe that we are Luca's emotional support humans. Like, I kind of think this is the only way he gets through life is if he lives in our home. And he's always anxious. He's always moving. I mean, every sound in the house. Uh, he hates the Amazon driver for some reason. And it's always bark, 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 chirp, 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 always, constantly. In fact, um, he picked up this habit. Uh, the neighbor dogs across the street started howling. And so Luca figured out how to howl. So now I got a howling, deranged dog in my house. And this is a rare moment for him to actually sit still. What you don't know is how many pictures it took me to get this one. And it's because I'm holding his most favorite possession. I have in my hand a treat. And a treat, treat is a trigger word for Luca. When he hears treat, he runs around, kind of chases his tail and starts barking. He'll do every trick he knows. He'll hold out his paw. He'll lay down. He'll roll over way before I say anything. And then I'll give him this treat. And it struck me this week that I wonder sometimes if this is how God sees us. You know, we're kind of running around, chasing our tail. Rarely do we sit still, especially this time of year. And the invitation at Christmas is quite honestly, as even Justin said in his opening, to slow down and to be present with God. In fact, I want to give you another really good verse that goes with this. It's Psalm 37, verse 7. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. And all this week, I just couldn't get this out of my head. Be still, wait patiently, do not fret. That's the invitation of Christmas. Be still, wait patiently, do not fret. And I was actually going to cut the verse off at do not fret. And I kind of kept looking at this, and I think I figured out why this is such a struggle for us. It's sort of this last line. It's when people succeed in their ways. I wonder for some of us if the real challenge about being still and waiting and not fretting is we spend an awful lot of time looking at what other people are doing. And we see other people succeed, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but you kind of get this, this discontent, you get this fear of missing out, you get this comparison trap. And it seems to happen even more this time of year. I, I don't know what it is about how we lose sight of what we already have, and instead we start looking towards what we don't have. And this week, I was just kind of sitting on my couch, kind of wrestling with this text, and, and I just had kind of this this feeling come over me just to be still and to be patient. And, and I started to just think of the many ways that I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm so fortunate. I'm so, I'm so, so blessed. And I don't know, then I was looking at the news and I saw around the world, there's all these things going on and even just things that would be such an inconvenience. Like there's this massive flooding going on in Australia and Carnes, Australia right now. People having to evacuate their homes. Not a good time to have to evacuate your home. And then I saw that there was a volcano that erupted in Iceland. I didn't even know that happened. And I'm thinking, man, that'd be really inconvenient. Kind of made me, I don't know, just a little bit more thankful for a mild Michigan winter, right? Like, 
and all these things that God just does for us. I want to invite you this Christmas to be still. And maybe you're so busy just being still and being patient that you forget about what others are doing and the comparison that comes with it. Um, last thought, in order to kind of help us all move forward with trusting God with the timing of our lives, if you hear nothing else from me today, my plea with you would be to do not quit. Don't quit. Whatever is it that you're facing, whatever challenge you have, to have this endurance of your faith. Actually, in fact, that's what the Bible recommends is to have this enduring faith. That's kind of like the faith that's put in action. And I wanted to just ask you just kind of one question. It's not for my sake. This isn't something I would need to know. But just for your own sake, just between you and God this morning, just kind of a moment of honesty to just simply say, what is it that, what is it that you feel like giving up on right now? I mean, what is it that's so challenging that you just, just want to give up on it? It might be a friendship that has kind of gone stale. It could be just these issues that you see going on in your home or in your family. You might want to give up on one of your kids. Maybe even this morning you want to give up on your marriage. And my plea with you this morning, the invitation of Christmas is to not quit. In fact, this is what Jesus has come in, to be this bright light in every single place of our lives. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life for every single person. Maybe another way to think about it is if God could move an entire empire, a pagan Roman empire, if God could use a guy like Caesar Augustus to issue a census so that he could tax people till their eyes bleed, right? If God could do that, if God could move Mary and Joseph across a desert, nine months pregnant, on the back of a donkey, I mean, think about it. If God could do this star in the sky and move wise men to a manger, if God could bring heaven down to earth, is there anything possible that God could not do in your life? That is the invitation because the light has come into the darkness and the darkness cannot contain it. I want to give you just a few moments on this Christmas Eve as Eli and the team come up to lead us. And we're going to spend this time reflecting on this light. And my hope all this week is that this would be just a real, just a real special moment for you, just personally, as you light this candle and you think about how this light has come for you. And as Eli and the team plays, you'll have an opportunity uh, to just settle into that moment as a family and together with the people around you. So I want to invite you in this moment just to simply bow your heads as I pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want, I want you just to imagine this night. I want you to imagine this silent night when God entered all of human existence and how God did this in order to be with you. And that's amazing. And even though that's amazing, I, I know some of you here this morning, you will push that away and you will say, but you don't know me and you don't know what I've done and I, I don't need to because God does and God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you and he invites you into this life of being in his light and knowing and having these promises a part of you. And maybe it's been a while or maybe it's been a long time since you've thought about what God has done through his son Jesus on this silent night for you. And maybe in the quietness of this moment, you just thank him. You just can't stop thanking him for all that he's done. And maybe the tug is to make the decision to give him your life. And it's not complicated. It's not difficult. You can just simply say, in the quietness of your heart, 
Jesus, I give you my life. And in those words, Jesus promises to give you his life and life to the full. And that begins this journey of walking with and trusting this light. Father God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the opportunity we have to see your light come into the world through your son, Jesus, and to be lived out in each and every person. We sing to you now and we give you all of our worship because you are worthy. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide. 